Hello, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Voices. I'm Andrew Hirsch, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ezeldi Masri. Ez, how are you? Good. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing well. We've got a special bonus episode for our listeners today. Uh, we are going to be presenting a webinar that we held earlier this week between new Darkinu CEO Rachel Azaria and our CEO Mara Lee, discussing the crisis in Israel right now with the new government and these anti-democratic measures that they have been proposing. We are in a very precarious and fluid spot at this moment. And as, as a Palestinian, I'm curious, before we bring our listeners into the call, as a Palestinian man, looking at these protests in Israel or the cries for democracy, looking at this political crisis that is unfolding, what does it feel like to watch it happen? Well, you know, I I, I try to be uh, optimistic, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, the hope is for uh, the Israeli society, uh, you know, with the control of the government by the right wing and the ultra nationalist parties and Netanyahu. Uh, the hope, you know, with these protests uh, is, you know. For Israeli society uh, to hit bottom and then to spring up, meaning for the progressive, for the moderates, for the liberals in Israel to consolidate their uh, political power and to present a different vision for the Israelis, uh, a vision that includes also a solution with us, the Palestinian people. Uh, 54 years of military occupation is more than enough. It needs to end and it needs to end now. And as a Palestinian, I, my hope that, you know, these protests against uh, the right-wing government in Israel uh, will somehow in the future benefit us also, uh, Palestinians, and seeing a more moderate uh, progressive government in Israel that will work with the PLO and the Palestinian Authority to finish this conflict. That's how I feel about it, Andrew. I'm with you, as and uh, you know, to, for this for this conflict to reach its resolution, Israelis need to protect and maintain and strengthen their democracy, and that's the subject that we are focused on today. So, without further ado, let's jump into the webinar. We're going to join the program as Rachel gives her introduction. So I'll start with where we are and what's what actually is going on in Israel. Um, Israel, I think, is uh, going through a cultural civil war. Um, where it's you, we can't forget that we have to five elections. Everyone is, you know, uh, um, the, the the extremists have a lot of power from both sides because when you go through five elections, everyone has to have their their ideas and their and their campaigns. They get stronger and stronger and more extreme and more extreme and more extreme. And that's what we're seeing now. This is what we're dealing with in these days, which is very very hard. <clears throat> and together with uh, with this that's going on in Israel, there is a very strong um, like rift between two groups. Um, the more liberal group and the more conservative group, even though when you look at the groups more like much more uh, uh, in a deeper sense, in a deeper way, you can see that actually both the liberal and the conserv and the and the more conservative group 
Yeah, both of them are much closer than we see because of the more radical groups that have the strength here. Um, and I think that what we see now is a moment that the very, very extreme right wing have a lot of power. Um, they managed to mobilize the power. They've been working very strongly um, since the, the disengagement from the Gaza Strip. That's when they started. So this is a long term work and journey. And basically, they're working now to change the system in a way that they think will be better for more conservative people in Israel. But we see that a lot of the people that voted for Netanyahu aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily agree with these ideas. Um, but it's very hard to hold this kind of campaign because of the rift. I'll talk a bit about what's actually happening in Israel. What are the, what, what are the, the, what the government is trying to do? Um, so it's, there are many, many legislations. Everything is happening very quickly. This is very similar to what we see in other countries that when, when they try to change, um, and, and minimize democracy, usually it happens very quickly, very rapidly, a lot of, a lot of legislations at the same time. Um, so one legislation is to change the way the judges are, are, um, are elected or appointed for the Supreme Court. And, and altogether, not only the Supreme Court, today it's held by a committee that has judges, lawyers, and politicians, okay? And together they decide, and that's how it's been for many years. Now they want to change it, that almost all of them will either be politicians or members of the committee that were appointed by politicians, okay? So that's one, that's one, uh, one issue. The second is the override uh, legislation. What they want to do is that if there were decisions made by the Supreme Court, the government could decide that they pass legislation that basically says that the decisions of the Supreme Court aren't relevant anymore. It can be in specific legislations. That's number two. Number three is to limit the power of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court can decide also according to what seems to like, in Hebrew it says it's called svirut, it's like what makes sense, okay? And that's something that they're allowed to use in these decisions. They won't be able to use that, you know, common, like what the common person will think. They can't use that anymore. And and in many, many times we, we appeal to the Supreme Court on different issues, and I'll talk about it in a minute. And that was one of the, re one of the discussions were, is this like legitimate? Is it, does it make sense? And that's how they decide, so that they also want to cancel out. Then they want to make sure that all the all of the um, attorney generals um, will be um, will be appointed by the politician in every one of the offices. So if you have a, an, a legal advisor or attorney general, the politician ch chooses them. That's another one. Um, so th this is like, I mean, I mean, I can keep going and there are many, many legislations. It's a lot of pieces that some of them, we could hold a decision specifically. I mean, I do think that it's always good to, to check our checks and balances and to make sure that they are balanced and they do work. What's happening now is this huge wave that is basically changing our democracy and weakening our democracy. And I want to say something that I was MK, I was in the parliament. Um, and very quickly, I realized that almost all the power is held by the government. Not I was I was a member of the coalition. I wasn't in the government. I was in the parliament. And there's supposed to be three. Right. There's supposed to be the, the parliament, the government and the court and the Supreme Court. And a few years ago already, the government took a lot of the power away from the parliament. So today, what's basically evening out the power of the government 
is the Supreme Court. If they want to take away a lot of the power of the Supreme Court, it's basically weakening another one of the three um, the three authorities and to give more power to, to the government. Thank you so much, Rachel. And also for, you know, I think explaining, I think everyone is hearing, right, both in terms of uh, your strength and um, leadership and obviously uh, history, I think, of fighting extremism in, in all of these different forms. Um, you know, you have shared with me that, you know, you feel like democracy is the air we breathe, right? But people uh, don't think about it, right? It, it, in many ways, it's uh, taken for granted um, at this moment, because, you know, internationally, of course, we're seeing all the headlines that Israeli democracy is under attack. How do you feel, you know, sitting in Israel with this experience um, and how do you translate in terms of and kind of filter the priorities in terms of what to fight first? Okay, so we made a decision in Delcano at the beginning of, you know, just after right when I when I started my uh, role um, as CEO, we we decided that we're going to actually hold campaigns that can be effective okay and I'll, I'll explain there are many 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 organizations there's so much noise and like it's endless there's so many campaigns going on and we were looking for the area that we can really really make a difference that people will actually understand what is going to happen um, and how it affects their everyday life so we started with this big campaign on buses we got which got a lot of attention um, we call it we call it I love Bagats. Uh, Bagats is the Israeli Supreme Court, um, and we talked about all the different legislation, all the different uh, decisions in the Supreme Court that actually protected different groups in Israeli society. If we're talking about um, women, okay, how we talked about you know women joining the army—that's something that's it's a big deal in Israel. My, my daughter is joining the army in a couple of weeks, and it's a really big deal. Um, that women can actually be effective in Israeli army. Um, we talked about LGBTQ, um, the, the, the right to register as a family is because of a verdict of the Supreme Court. Um, we talked about the decision that women have to sit around every table. That's also a decision of the Supreme Court. Um, we talked about protecting Israeli soldiers. Um, today, today, Israeli soldiers are protected around the world um, from different uh, uh, appeals from in the in Hague, in Hague. One of the reasons is because of our Supreme Court. And we talked about these different groups, and people usually don't see the Supreme Court as part of their everyday life. I want to say something about this, that I think in many countries, there is a tradition of, of, of democracy. And there are a lot of... Um, you're educated to be proud or it's part of being part of being an American is being proud of your democracy. OK, you have children's books about democracy. You have TV shows, you have movies, you have, you know, Martin Luther King, you have ethos and stories that you talk about from a very, very young age. Same thing in England. People are very proud of the Magna Carta. Same thing also in France, the French Revolution. And in Israel, the fact that we live in a democracy is just like, you know, Something that we have, we're never excited about. We're excited that, you know, we came back after 2000 years. We're excited, we're excited that we're a country with a lot of innovation. We have a lot of issues that we're proud of. Our democracy, it just kind of goes without saying. And something that we really need to do for the long term is to make sure that people get excited about our democracy, that it's part of really part of our, you know, our Israeliness. And today it isn't. So we were looking for issues that even if people don't remember, that's, that's something that they got from the Supreme Court. They actually got these rights through the Supreme Court. So this is the kind of campaign that we're holding to make it possible for people to really understand it. And we do see, we do see that these issues that we bring bring up, and we we're, we were the first ones to talk about them. We do see 
that first of all, the prime minister had to react to the issue of LGBTQ and he said, no, don't worry, they won't be affected. They will be affected, but that's what he tried to say. And we see that when we bring up issues, <clears throat> sorry, that aren't like right-wing, left-wing, because that's like our ongoing, uh, ongoing uh, uh, struggle. Um, when you bring up these issues, the government has to react. And we see that in all these discussions, this is something today, there is a press release, a press uh, conference, Netanyahu, our prime minister, um, and he and he talked against the the chief of the banking. I forgot how you say it. Um, and he said that this uh, that these reforms are going to harm us um, as far as our economy, and we're going to pay the price very quickly. Um, and the prime minister came out tonight saying, you know, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. And we see that all of our campaigns, the campaigns that we're holding, all of the right-wing press is interviewing me. They also know me from the government. I was in a, I was in a right-wing government. I was the most liberal member of the right-wing governments. So they know me for many years and they interview me and they say, it's not true. And I say, yeah, you know, you know, but this and this and that, you, you don't have any answers. So we're looking to, for issues that, are, that we can keep away from the rift in Israeli society and make it something that all people can kind of relate to. Right. Thank you. And I, you know, I think you are seeing the excitement uh, in terms of the volunteer droves that are, are really coming into yeah. you know, in this moment and really being utilized. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, not just the, the public side of the campaign, but really yeah. the, the field efforts and what's happening on the ground? So we have a weekly Zoom with usually like we we had 300 we had 150 we had 200 um activists that you know come to get the update of what we're going to be doing every week we have activity on sunday that we hold um we had one that we said you know if this legislation will pass women i'll have to send the back of the bus i don't know if i told you that was one of the supreme courts that um appeals that i was part of um and <clears throat> We spread it out throughout the country in 15 cities and, you know, hundreds of bus stops. We had tens of volunteers throughout the going and putting up the signs on the different bus stops throughout the country. We had people going to volunteers that went on Sunday to um, to a health clinic for children, Tipat Khalab. It's very well known in Israel, um, saying, you know, uh, LGBTQ families won't be able to get um to get to get services here because that was something that started being discussed there was a member of the parliament that said that uh, that uh, pediatricians would have the right to decide if to help these families or doctors altogether will have to will be so every week we have some, this kind of activity now we have an ongoing um uh tent you'd say like uh, um, for a demonstration every day in front of Yariv Levine the minister of um the Minister of, uh, of Justice. Um, and every Friday we have a demonstration with hundreds of people. And every Saturday night you have a demonstration with hundreds of people. And it became another place that people come to demonstrate. I mean, you have in Jerusalem, you have in Tel Aviv, and you have this one in Modi'in, it's in Modi'in. Um, and a lot of people are coming. So we have ongoing activities all the time. And a lot we're doing exactly by the book, um, the book I wrote about how to make social change. Um, so we have we're campaigning on the ground. We're working with the press. We're talking to decision makers. We're trying to bring in a lot of people that can really make a difference and convince. And I had a long, long conversation with Nadav Ayali, he's a very, very um, high ranked uh, reporter in Israel. Um, 
And you said one of the problems of the of the the demonstrating movement is that they think that what's most important is to bring people out to the streets. What they don't realize the most important is to convince people. So we're the side that's convincing people. There, unfortunately, um, the Israeli society is a society that knows how to hold very large demonstrations. Because of the rift, it's very hard to talk the language for the left wing to talk the language that the right wing understand and for the right wing to talk the language that the left wing understand. I think this is the very unique place of Delcano that we know how to talk these different languages. If you know The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt and you know the way he, so this is very much the way we work out our, you know, all of our talking points and all of our campaigns to figure out how we can say ideas that both sides can accept. So this is our this is our ongoing campaign, and this is the way I work. We work. I'll just say that my father is Tunisian and my mother is American, originally from Germany. Um, they immigrated just before the war, so you know this is like my background. And a lot of the rift in Israeli society usually, and I'm saying it very, very sadly, but it has a lot to do with where your parents came from. So the fact that I know the two languages, also because of my parent, my background, and also because I'm Orthodox, I'm a feminist Orthodox, so I'm very liberal and, and uh, religious at the same time. So you have to, you know, it's something that you realize is that Israelis talk in different languages, and you really have to be able to hold a campaign that talks in different languages. So this is what we're working on in Delcano. Yeah, and I, I mean, one of the things Delcano has, you know, I think always done so well is um, is take people as as whole people, right? That identities are complex, and they uh, you're not simply uh, right wing and you know anti uh, solution with the Palestinians, right? There's um, you can have a right wing identity and you know hope for progress exactly. on that front. And so that you know understanding like Americans and Brits and everyone else around uh, the world, we are all humans and very complex. And so Darkino, I think understanding that um, and not segmenting no, really um, bringing people together around these ideas exactly um and and really you know finding opportunities to become a bridge um I think is very unique to Darkino and obviously has been you know part and parcel of Darkino's identity and so fun to see you guys on the ground um can you talk a little bit about this you know kind of question of of where Israeli society is today you know I think there's a, a sense certainly um uh, amongst internationals, right, that Israel has changed, right, um, since November. Um, and of course, we know that there's been a, a long trajectory, trajectory, and obviously that's in response to significant funding and persuasion, right? It's not on accident, as you've, you've spoken about. Um, so can you, you know, again, from your perspective in terms of where Israel is, where there's um, not only a case for optimism, but also a case uh, for Darkino to again be effective in mobilizing uh, a modern majority if that still exists today. So yeah, I, first of all, I'm optimistic. Um, and I'll say that, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you this, okay? And I hope we will get, and, and then I'll keep talking. And I think um, every generation in Israel always has a huge challenge that always seems impossible and we can always make it work, okay? Even though it does seem impossible. So the first generation, the 40s and the 50s, we had to establish the state of Israel. No one thought we could do it. That generation managed to make it work, which is absolutely amazing. Second generation, 60s and 70s, it was about the two big wars, Six Day War, Yom Kippur War, and no one thought we would last and we did it, okay? 
Um, the, then the third generation, the 80s, the 90s, it was about the macro economy, right? Israel almost went bankrupt. We stopped selling. Our economy was built on selling avocado and oranges. And then we started Startup Nation. That was in the 90s. That was like my friends all went to high tech. Um, and then 2000, 2010, 2010 is the micro Okay, um, microeconomy, how do we make sure everyone enjoys the wealth that there is in Israel? And if you look at that, that's very similar to the pyramid of needs of Maslow, that every generation is part of the pyramid. And the tip of the, just before the tip, it's about who we are and what we stand for. And I think that this is something that we're in an ongoing discussion, who we are. Question, direct question for me to ask um, you, Rachel, the protests have grown and grown in recent weeks. And I obviously I think this is um, meant for the, the big Saturday protests that we're seeing a lot of coverage internationally about. Will that continue? And if so, what can they reasonably accomplish? So basically, to be successful, um, at least in Israel, that's what we see historically, you need to have two things uh, that must happen. One is you have to have a lot of people out there in the streets, a lot of people. Okay, that's very, very important. Um, and they are growing, which is pretty amazing. Um, also, last Shabbat, last Saturday, we didn't, it wasn't raining, so it made it easier for people to demonstrate. Usually in Israel, people don't demonstrate in the winter. We demonstrate more in the summer, but, you know, people are out there every Friday, every Saturday night, every Shabbat out there demonstrating. The numbers will grow. There'll be more demonstrations throughout the country. That is pretty clear. The second element that is very, very important is to to make sure that the that you're not only representing your camp, okay? So the people that are out there demonstrating, most of them, at least in Tel Aviv, are part of the center left. In uh, Jerusalem, okay. there are there are very large demonstrations, not as large as Tel Aviv, but more orthodox, uh, more kind of right wing. And that's what we're doing in Darkeno, so working on these areas um, that we can really bring people that won't always, you know, won't, won't, um, they're not the usual suspects. And I think we, what we, what research shows and what I write in my book also that we need to have both. We have to have a lot of people out there and we have to have, you know, segments that aren't the usual suspects. Both of them are happening. I mean, I feel that this, um, it's pretty amazing how quickly people understood what's happening and are out there in the streets and working. We're not organized enough, but we have enough that's organized that it's actually happening. So yes, I am pretty confident that the numbers will grow and grow and more and more people will be out there demonstrating. Right. I just want to remind you, sorry, that in Israel, we had two prime ministers that resigned because of demonstrations. Um, also Golda Meir and also Menachem Begin. I mean, we do have a history a time, of yeah. resistance um, in Israeli society. There's another question um, also that asks me to ask. Um, Rachel, if the government pushes through these anti-democratic measures, do you think that will impact the international relationships in a major way? And how worried are Israelis about international isolation? So yes, we know, I mean, chances are very high that that will happen, definitely. We know that. Um, we, you know, we're, we're getting even a, a, Alan Dershowitz, who is, he's a professor, he's a very good friend of Netanyahu's, and even he he was interviewed in Israeli TV saying, you know, yeah, what you're doing is crazy. Um, he didn't say crazy, but we said, you know, the price is going to be very high. Um, so yes, so we do know that this is something that could happen. 
Um, and I, what's happening is what's happening all the time. You know, we hear Netanyahu saying it's not going to happen, but we know, and, and we're like, we're in, we're in a camp, we're in this campaign of struggle and, you know, how many people we can convince and how many people actually realize it. It's about how it's a campaign on perception. Um, so Netanyahu had, I told you, we had the, the press conference tonight basically to say, no, you know, none of this is going to happen. But he holds the campaign, the, the, the press conference because he knows that, unfortunately, that it can happen. Um, and Rachel, we have you in, in this role, I think, both in terms of um, part informer and also explainer. So thank you. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think one detail that I think is important for everyone on this um, call to hear, you know, just like, again, in terms of, um, you know, I think making the attacks on democracy so concrete um, is if you could explain, Rachel, the um, external education piece um, and essentially how, you know, there's essentially both like a, a dismantling of precedence and history, but also, for example, you know, Israeli funding for cross-border programs specifically between yeah. Israeli and Palestinians is is not only on the table, is actually being docked directly. Um, and also Darkenu's approach, right, and potential yeah. solution to do that, because I, um, I think it's relevant to both to Elizabeth's question, but also in terms of, again, it's not theoretical democracy, it's actual- um, It's on the ground. Everything that touches democracy is being attacked. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say that there are two areas that the working uh, Israeli-Palestinian work is being affected. Um, one is the area of, uh, of programs in schools. Um, they're trying, but that's that. The, the, this I talked about some of the legislations. There are a few other legislations um, to change the 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 like the guidelines for which organizations can be hired. I'll, okay, the way it works in Israel is that in the school system there is this program, like it's like a. Um, um, like this uh, programming and different different programs can be part of it. And then it's funded by the, you know, it's in organized funding by the government, by the municipality, by the by the city, by the by the school, whatever. So that's that's the way it is. Um, and on the list on the, of the different uh, organizations, there are different organizations that talk about Israelis and Palestinians, and they're trying to change the guidelines to make sure that these organizations can't talk in Israeli schools. So they will, what they say is that they will be able to talk. They just won't be able to be invited through this organized program. And basically it means they won't be invited at all. Um, the second issue here um, has to do with the funding from the United States. Uh, there's a lot of funding for work, Israeli-Palestinian work. And what they want to do is they want to pass a situation that they want to pass a legislation that every funding that comes from foreign governments uh, will be taxed. Okay. Basically, once that happens, most governments will not come to fund anything in a country that their funding is taxed. So it has to do with the big chunk of budget that's supposed to be from the United States, the decision that I know a lot of people here worked very hard to pass it. Um, so, you know, Israel won't Israelis won't be able to to you know basically probably the United States I, I don't know what the decision decision will be but we assume that this funding won't arrive um so that's the th those are the two I think those are the two two specific um changes there is there is a legislation but we don't know 
see what happens is that often different MKs, they, they put out, you know, a bill, but you don't know how serious it is. So it's hard to tell now because there's so many very extreme bills and it's hard to tell if they're doing it just so they can pass what they're really working on or it actually will become a real bill. So a real legislation. So there is another bill that talks about um, Arab MKs, you know, how they can be elected, uh, what they they have to be more loyal to the to the government, to the country. But again, it's it's hard to tell. I am saying it even though I was an MK for four years and I was deputy mayor of Jerusalem. I really know the Israeli political system. These are issues that often are, are hard to know. And this is one of these moments. But yes. Al, everything that has to do with liberal Israel is being threatened. That's what's going on now. That's why we have these big demonstrations out there. Great, thank you. Um, there's a question, um, you know, we haven't yet talked about Democrat TV, which obviously plays, you know, a huge role in terms right. of dark news impact story. Um, and there's also a question um, specifically here. So I think if you can explain Democrat TV for those who don't know, um, and obviously give us a quick update there. Um, and then specifically the question is how Democrat TV is reacting to planning for potential changes, um, given the recent attacks on Israeli public media um, and media as, right, what we often call here is like the fourth estate, right? Like the fourth pillar of yeah <laughs> so that's another legislation i didn't have they're really i told you there's a big package so every every five minutes uh, i add another one there's another another uh, it's not even legislation it's going to be a government decision that basically takes away a lot of the funding for our public network um in israel there is like bbc there is a public tv station and radio station funded by the government with a very large, uh, very large funding, um, it's like a, a lot of the, a lot of the excellent TV shows that you know come from uh, from this uh, broadcast, um, and basically they want to take away a lot of the funding and and give it to different uh, different uh, TV channels that are uh, commercial TV channels. It's a way basically to when you give out so much funding to different TV channels, so. And the government gives it so and and the government decides who will get according so it's basically a way to to make sure that the that the um that the press is much more in the hands of the government um we think it's this is a very scary moment but it makes it much more clear how important democrat tv is in these days in these moments so democrat tv now is out there on the ground in every one of the demonstrations we bring the you know live uh, tv broadcast we put it on all the all the social media everyone knows they can trust democrat tv to be everywhere and that's very important to a lot of people um, and we are working now to figure out in the long term, we know that this is a threat. And we know also that even if the threat won't happen, the fact that there is a democratic um, uh, uh, TV broadcast and we do need to grow much more. We need to be much, much stronger. But the fact that we have a democratic TV broadcast, that really changes the way um like uh, if if we're like the more the more democratic uh, TV broadcast, so we like will push will pull everyone towards us. So it's not only the fact that we have our TV channel; it's also the fact that we can actually mobilize or like give a co contrary that, to to like more um, conservative voices. There's a very strong conservative TV 
broadcast that started just recently and a year ago got much stronger. Um, 14th channel, channel 14. That's where I go to explain about our campaign a lot um, because we need to convince these people. But uh, but that that really that really shifted the the all of the broadcast in Israel more to the right. And we know that the stronger we'll be, we'll be able to give like the other side um, for uh, for Israeli society to strengthen the more liberal ideas. Right. And I think, again, for context, um, you know, thanks to the generosity of many of our One Voice supporters, we were able to seed fund Democrat TV. It's now right. um, funded, um, majority funded by individual donors um, yeah. making an average donation. Uh, I think you probably have the, the latest number, Rachel. Yeah, we have um, almost all the funding comes from uh, Israeli donors. Um, we have we they're, they have, they give monthly donation. The average is uh, is uh, between 50 and 100 shekels, like very you know, ongoing small donations, and that's what makes it possible for us to have this TV broadcast. Great, um, great. Um, thank you. Um, invite anyone else to answer any questions. Um, I think, uh, sorry, ask any questions. There's uh, there's one other one that was um, posed for me to ask, but again, just want to invite anyone else. I don't, if I'm missing you, feel free to come up to you and uh, just let me know. Um, there's a question here, uh, really interesting question uh, from the UK, Rachel. Um, basically, the demographics in Israel have changed. Uh, the government is demograph uh, democratically elected. In the diaspora, we have been able to point to the democratic nature of the state. The attacks on the Supreme Court are very serious for the nature of the state we support. Do we need to mobilize more international Jewish lawyers to essentially um, step up and take a role in this moment? International Jewish lawyer? I'm sorry, I didn't understand yeah. the... Um, so I think it's really um, essentially saying that the, the democratic nature of Israel has been yeah. so important, I think, um, and such a motivator for the diaspora to support yeah. Israel um, and given right the, the changes. Oh, okay, okay. So first of all, I'll say I don't think the, the demographic, demographic discussion, I think it's much smaller than we tend to think. Um, uh, yes, we have ultra-Orthodox, their numbers are growing, but only um, they're between eight to 12%. It depends if you count also the babies or only the grownups, okay? So if you count only the grownups, it's more like 8%. If you count the babies, they have a lot of young youngsters, but we don't know what's going to happen with the society. So I'm saying, except for that, it's not that it, the demographics aren't changing like in 30 or 40%, okay? The numbers are pretty slim still. Um, it does mean that we need to re reframe everything and work on the rift in Israeli society. That's what's going to make a difference at the end of the day. Um, we need to make sure that people that feel that they're conservative still feel that being conservative doesn't mean that you're not that you're against democracy. And that's one of the changes that we had over the past few years. I think this is the most important work. Um, yes, we're always happy to have. Uh, great um, Jews from the diaspora come and live in Israel. And if you have good lawyers, that's absolutely great. Um, and I think that the that the Jewish community around the world, I think that there is so much to lose um, if Israel isn't a, a democracy. First of all, I say, I think that if Israel isn't a democracy, I don't know how, how long we're going to last. Um, this is like one of the reasons we're such a strong country and we're so 
vibrant and you know so it's it's pretty amazing the miracle of the past 70 or 75 years um it's so not obvious and we know it's not obvious and i think that all of us have a lot of stakes um we're stakeholders um sorry we're stakeholders um in israel and i think that there's a lot that can be done um and i think that showing your support is very very important showing your support in many different ways and I think that sometimes, sometimes I feel that in Israel, we need a reminder of like, you know, like looking in the mirror and remembering how amazing what we have and how much, just like you were talking about Mara, that, that, um, that democracy is like the air we breathe, that only when it disappears, suddenly we, we you know, we, we can't breathe. But now, like we take for granted this democracy and this air that we're used to breathing, this amazing air that we can breathe all the time. And we really, really don't want to suffocate. So I think that the 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 Jewish community around the world, I think that the first stage, I hope it could be more of, you know, strengthening the democratic ideas, supporting maybe the next stage is talking about, you know, like more threats. But I think that we need to be much more cautious about the moment that we get to the threats, because what happens in Israel is that immediately the right wing says, oh, we all knew, we always knew that you were never loyal to Israel, blah, 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 blah. So I think that this first stage is very, very important. Yes. I hope I answered the question if I understood it um, accurately. Yeah, and I think, yeah, kind of a follow-up question is such as, yeah, the effective role I think diaspora can play, right? And I know we've obviously talked about, you know, for those who are active in um, specifically Jewish community organizations, right, at, at kind of any level, but it's raising your voice, raising your concerns, right, ensuring that, um, that international groups feel empowered, right? Israeli democracy is not just an internal issue. And, you know, as Elizabeth said, well, it's not just um, Jewish Israelis who are obviously affected. Um, clearly, Arab Israelis, other um, ethnicities within Israel, and of Everybody. course, Palestinians and the West Bank and, and Gaza are affected by the realities of this government. And, and obviously, you know, again, it's it's part and parcel why we show up <laughs> uh, to work every day, right, is because these issues um, are, you know, it's it's not just about crying wolf in terms of, uh, you know, attacks oh. and threats. Things are happening on the ground every day. Things are getting, you know, obviously um, worse, not better, right? And this is the time, I think, for, you know, each of us to engage and do everything we can to bolster those on the ground who are doing this uh, phenomenal work or stepping forward um, and really changing the tone and the course within Israel and really speaking truth to power, obviously, you know, there has to be a, I think, engagement and campaigns from, from every side. So, um, so Rachel, thank you um, for your time, you know, happy to have you share any, you know, kind of closing thoughts or things that you want us to take away um, things for us to share um, as we go um, about and talk to other people who obviously are watching this very closely. Um, but what also want to just take a moment um, before Rachel closes to thank everyone for, for taking the time to do this. Um, please get engaged. Again, this is, you know, we've been saying a lot, there's a, there's a fire in Israel and we're empowering, you know, we're, we're providing Darkina with the water and the, um, um, to help um, put this fire out. And they're going to be doing a lot of block and tackling um, in order to do this very strategically. Um, and so please um, use your power, use your leverage, use your voice, join us. Um, if you have questions about how to get engaged, let us know. Um, and thank you, Rachel, for your leadership uh, every day. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not been an easy path um, no. since you joined, but we feel very fortunate that you're at the helm. Thank you. I, I want to say one sentence. I think that the that the American and also the, the British Jewish community had a lot had a lot of um 
really affected, was very effective in the fact that Israel is a democratic country. And it's not obvious that Israel is a democracy. Um, you even think about the fact that all of, one of the places that we see that is very, very diverse and everyone works together are the hospitals in Israel. And research shows that one of the reasons because of the Hadassah women, that when they founded these hospitals in Israel, even though in those times in the United States, there were hospitals in some of the areas, there were hospitals for, 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 for white people and the hospital for, for African-Americans and, and or for blacks. And it was very clear in Israel that everything from day one is for everyone. And that's something that's so not obvious. And I think that you had such an important role throughout history to really help us like have this moment that we're a bit above our everyday life and we see the importance of democracy because we see it just like the air that we breathe, that they think that this moment is very, very important and we really need you to partner with us um, in this ongoing campaign that will probably be a, be a long one. So I just want to thank you all for taking this time and, and for being there for us. It's very, very much appreciated. Thank you again to Rachel for joining our webinar this week. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of Everyday Voices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like and subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. And until next time, take care.